0: Cadet Bab. Yes, sir. Welcome to the Summits Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Your uh maiden voyage here. Very impressive. Well, thank you. We try. Start low and then aim high, right? <laughs> we gotta start somewhere. <laughs> That's Air Force, though. What the hell. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so talk to us. Uh, let's start out with born and raised. you're you're a Hoosier, born and raised, correct? I am. Yep.
1: Tell was, us a little bit about that. I was born in Indianapolis, spent First five or six years of my young life in Avon, ish area, probably unincorporated, just outside of Avon, and then we moved to Carmel uh, when I was around six or seven. So I grew up in Carmel, um, went to Carmel High School, graduated from there, and so that was that was the first formative years of my life. So you're a
0: Greyhound. I am. Yeah. What uh, leading up to. To high school, I assume you were doing all the usual youth sports, yeah. Carmel Dad's Club, and all that fun stuff.
1: You know, interestingly, we lived uh, just north of the, uh, and you might remember this. Everybody else is probably too young, but the notorious wow. Northside Drive-in. What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're way older than I am. I know I am. <laughs> but there was a drive-in um, that was on the south part of Carmel. We actually lived just north of oh, it. Oh yeah, and I yeah, know. It, you're it was about. awesome. And uh, oh, that was so my, now was, there that was a range line road. There's yes, a drive-in right. in
2: Carmel. There was, there yeah. was Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's now a,
1: all right. a neighborhood or, and it was party central. Kay. It was out of control on Monday nights. I'm not joking. Like thousands and thousands of kids would go in there and it was just a lot of fun. But anyway, so I was almost at, in North central. So I played Carmel dad's club baseball, but everything else, um, football, all that stuff early on, I play in basketball. I played uh, in Nora, Okay. So okay. I knew a bunch of the North Central kids growing yep. up. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah.
0: Favorite sport back then? Oh, football. Yeah. yeah.
2: Favorite sport today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still football.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. What? 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 Why? Why football? What? What about football um, is your favorite?
1: You know, I was quarterback. So, um, you know, from the earliest time that I played the game, and actually back then it was interesting. I have twin. 13-year-old boys now, and they never play tackle football in uniform until I want to say the third grade. Okay, yep. And uh, we started in kindergarten back then. And we were out there at kindergarten, helmets. Of course, you know, there's the whole CTE thing, and everybody's kind of down on football, and the numbers have been down recently, but it was just, it was fun. It was, it's what I, it's, it's I enjoyed doing it, and uh, it was, it was good to be, you know, out there, the center of attention, involved in every single play as opposed to, you know, baseball, which could get boring at times, yeah. mm-hmm. especially when you move to kid pitch, and it's nothing but one walk after another. And then basketball was was fun too, but football was definitely my favorite.
0: Yeah. So you and I have had this conversation before, both having played quarterback pre-serious concussion protocol and all that stuff. How many concussions oh, by man. today's
1: technical standards do you do you think you probably had? Yeah, so I remember I had a – so I played quarterback at Carmel. I had one at Carmel that was so bad that uh, I remember, uh, and it was, it was so, uh, and back then, like being focused on players that were hurt wasn't on anybody's mind. So here yeah. I was, the starting quarterback, and I remember the entire locker room was emptied, and I was still just sitting there. And one of the managers came up to me, and he's like, are you going to take a shower or not? And I was like, huh? I mean, I was completely fogged out. So eventually, I was so late getting home that, and I had I was driving then because I was a senior. My dad actually came back and checked in on me because I hadn't come home, and so that was the one I remember at Carmel and then at Army. Um, and it was it's part of my cancer story to be honest with you. But I got knocked, I got my helmet turned around, and I got knocked out of a game, Uh, and I was literally had no idea where I was, yeah. and it, it it just it dislocated my jaw that's how wow. hard the head was wow. so i never had anything that bad but
0: i do recall many uh going back on your on your back and smacking your head this is of course be- before field turf mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. The rubber pellets for the cushioning and all that they have today not that you know not to take any away from the hit stuff today but you know planet chatard that that field that got used uh, by cyo and all that i mean that middle terrible. patch basically became yep. concrete almost i remember smacking your you know the helmet yep. on the back on the ground and it Seeing yeah. stars many a time.
1: No, I know. Yeah. Yeah, I was, you know, I didn't get hit much at Carmel because we, we threw the ball. But when when I played at Army, I was basically a, a glorified running back. So I got hit all the time. So.
0: <laughs> Fun times. Yeah. Good times. Um, so Carmel High School, what class, what class were you? 84. 84. Were you born in 84? Nope.
2: Was not. Yeah. Six years. Six years too early. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a family
0: not show, but kind of not a family show. So <laughs> if you want to tell them to whatever you can,
2: I've heard it before. Yeah. <laughs> mostly from my right.
0: Oh, it's okay. So 84, you
1: played football.
0: What what else? Other sports at Carmel high school.
1: So I played, um, in junior high, I played all the three, the three balls. I played basketball, baseball, and football. Um, I, uh, played baseball and basketball. And back then you, uh, the high school was sophomore, junior, and senior. So okay. freshmen were not at the high school. And um, my sophomore year, I played all three. And then um, Jim Belden was our coach back then for Carmel, and he mm-hmm. said, you know what? I'm not telling you to do this, but it'd be nice if you'd get in the weight room, put on some more weight, work on your speed and agility and stuff like that. So I quit both baseball and basketball. And to be honest with you, uh, that's I regret that. Yeah. Uh, but I did it to to focus on football, and then um, interestingly, a great guy by the name of Scott Rogers, who's here locally. I was set to start my junior year at Carmel. He moved in from Southport, um, and he was—I think it was—it uh, uh, was like a, it was a big hullabaloo, big IHSA thing because yeah. he was clearly the quarterback at Southport. He moved into Carmel, and he ended up getting a full ride to Notre Dame for ba- baseball and football. He was oh, a nice. really good okay. athlete, so yeah. I did not play my junior year. And so that was nothing. That was kind of frustrating. But at the end of the day, I just played football the last two years. Yeah. So do you, you keep up with Carmel sports today? I do. I mean, like for example, I was I was watching the basketball game. Yeah. Which was awesome. And interestingly, they were not very good in basketball when I was there. Okay. They just weren't. I mean, they're were, they're were good in the '70s when Herman and those guys were there. They won the state championship back then. But then for many years, uh, they weren't good. When I was there in the, in the 80s and the 90s, and then I think it was the late 90s or the early 2000s, they had all that bad publicity. Yeah. But the hazing stuff, and then, but the coach they have now is just phenomenal. And yeah. I watched – I took my boys two years ago because they obviously didn't play last year. I think it was two years ago when they beat Ben Davis. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the more remarkable things I've ever seen in my life. I mean, they had, they had these two little blonde-haired kids, Carmel did, and they were so unbelievably athletic – and everybody on, uh, I mean, Ben Davis just looked like a better, more athletic team. Yeah. That one guy, their big guy, was going to, um, on a full ride to Ohio State for football. Okay. And he could motor. Yeah. I mean, he really could. Uh, but, I mean, Carmel did great. So, yeah. So, I watch him, you know. And I always, everybody, there's not a, there's not a lot of love for the old Carmel Greyhounds and the yeah. Fishers HSC yeah. school system. But yeah. I tease them all the time. And, and do, you,
2: uh, do you think if you were, if you were playing today... Would you see the field based on the talent that goes through Carmel now? I Just so. because they have, yeah. I mean, so we, were much
1: be, we were pretty big back then, okay. but it is. I mean, it's it's a question. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is. It yeah. is not. On the other hand, I, I will tell you this: that I mean, my boys played on an all-star football team uh, two years ago called the Knights, and um, that's when all the kids in HSC were together, and we beat everybody. Okay. We beat Center Grove. We beat Carmel. We beat Westfield. We beat Ben Davis. We beat Warren Central. We beat everybody and handily. Now, of course, you know now they're gone. Yeah, they're all split up. Yep, yep. Uh, but there is an advantage that I mean, those kids, you know, they're all they're all playing in positions that you might not get a chance to play in at Carmel. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. So
1: high school is over. High school's over. So I was uh, I got um, I was recruited by like a, the Ivy schools, the academies. Um, Is that co- before or post background check? That was uh, both. I was a good boy. <laughs> That's good. And 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 for the reason that I'm gonna tell you about right now, I was completely in love with my girlfriend, and she's like, "Don't go attend the academies. Don't go to any of the Ivy League schools. Don't leave the state of Indiana." So, I ended up, long story short, going to DePaul. In so you Castle.
0: made your college initial college correct, decision, correct? And based I down, on your
1: girlfriend at the correct, time, and I turned down West Point, and my dad, I thought my dad was gonna kill me. <laughs> and I went to DePaul, quite frankly, for two reasons. A, Nick Morozas, who was the coach, would follow me at all my Carmel games. Um, he was a great guy and a great coach. And uh, it's a really unique sort of uh, atmosphere there, that great tradition, one of the best traditions out there, you know, in the Monon Bell. Uh, but it was also close enough to where uh, my girlfriend was going at Purdue. So Boiler um, Up. What's that? Yeah, Boiler, Boiler up. up, yep. Can and we so, edit that out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And at that time, there was a guy by uh, named uh, Jim Everett, who was a quarterback there and Scott Campbell. And they both ended up playing the pros. So uh, that wasn't it wasn't going to work out for me. So anyway, so I went to DePaul for a year. And I was like, I'm not very mature. I can't handle this. I was an SAE. Uh, that was out of control, truly out of control. In fact, that house ultimately ended up getting kicked off campus. I think they just <laughs> repopulated or recolonized or whatever the, the word is this last year. Uh, and so I was. I told my dad. I said, "I'm, I'm, I am i i can not handle this. I need to be told what to do." So uh, he got me another appointment, and um, and I went.
0: Yeah. So how does that work? If you if you turn them down initially, mm-hmm. you went somewhere else for a year. Yeah. You want to reapproach that? I assume. They're
1: not just say, oh, yeah, the offer's still good. No, no. So we had to go back. It was Dan Burton, who okay. was a congressman. He got me my stuff. The first one I got, I got nominations from Burton and Quayle. And then the second one was just, I don't know how dad did it, but he did it. And he got one from Burton again. And so I went. And then I also had a football assist. And yeah. I wasn't crazy recruited by them, but it helps getting into those academies when you have an athletic assist. Sure. As we know, our our, uh, friend that got all the uh, fake uh, uh, polo players and (laughs) (laughs) seriously, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, they, so that helped because Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're not, you know, the non-athletes that just get into those places like on their academic credentials are like crazy intelligent and have crazy good test scores. Mm -hmm. Like I was like a 12, like. 50 SAT or something like that so not w- bad well it wasn't bad but it wasn't what it, w- it wouldn't have been good enough to get into West Point mm-hmm. not even close
2: what are the what are the scores these days uh, for me it was like out of 1800 or something or 2200 I think, I think it's sixteen. Out of I think it's 1600. 16 yeah, 1600 16. Yeah. okay yeah I did terrible on them. so yeah I did not yeah did. I was not a good
1: standardized test yeah. guy mm-hmm.
2: ACT it's the only way I got into Purdue yeah
1: what was your ATC score uh
2: ACT ACT What's it out of? It's uh Man, it's, it's a 35. 35. Or? Yeah, I got
1: 33. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. That's very good. All right. Could one tie Clap. Do I have a stupid. clap? Pause. Nah. Golf golf clap. <laughs> no, I feel stupid.
0: All right. So, you're at West Point playing football, Right. correct? Um How how was how was the jump from high school football to to D1 football?
1: So, interestingly, because I was a D3 first. Okay, right. Actually, the very first game I ever played, the very first college football game I ever played was for DePaul, and I started against Dayton, the Flyers. And they had actually just transitioned from Division One to Division Three, So they actually had a handful of guys that were, they were no longer scholarship players because they weren't getting paid to be there, but they were actually massive, huge individuals. <laughs> and uh, I will tell you, and I've, I've been asked this a lot, the big difference between – High school to division three, division one. The big difference between division one and division three is the speed. speed. I mean, I'm not joking. There are massive human beings playing division three. And when you when they go out and you're just like, Oh my goodness gracious. I mean those are big athletic people and they are. But the division guy division one guys move a lot faster. Yeah.
0: That so it's funny you say that I, I kinda thought that might be your answer. Mm-hmm. The reason why I say that is we know a uh, NFL referee who you know, worked his way up high school, college, mm-hmm. now in the pros. And he often gets the same question. What's the biggest difference, you know, refereeing a top D1 college, you know, a bowl game right. to the NFL? And he's like, you know, the guys aren't necessarily any bigger once they get to the NFL from, right. you know, top D1 schools. He goes, it's the speed. Yeah. And he's the, the umpire, he's the umpire behind the linebackers. Mm-hmm. He goes, honestly, half my job is staying the yes. F out of the yeah. way yeah. that I don't so get, get pounded. 'Cause he's got guys that are, you know, 6'2", 250, and they run a sub four five forty. He's like that's it's ridiculous you yeah. don't want to get hit by that. No, you don't.
1: That's it's a brick wall. Yeah. 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 But that's it though, it's the speed. Yeah.
0: All right. So April being testicular cancer awareness right. month. Um, Brian, what's your cancer story?
1: So I was so I went to West Point, then I transitioned from DePaul, and we had thirteen quarterbacks that that were there. The academy football is a little different because you can literally have hundreds of people go out. I mean, they're all there on scholarship. You said thirteen. 13. We had thirteen yeah. quarterbacks. Jeez, I know. And <laughs> how so, many people were on the team total? Uh, I think like? we had we probably clad close to one hundred twenty five, one hundred fifty. I think they still have those numbers today. Wow. Um, so now my head coach was. A f- former, uh, he's college football hall of fame guy, Jim Jim Young, who coached at Purdue. And uh, and then he got out of coaching after he left Purdue, and then he went to Army. And so Coach Young called me in and he said, "Hey, just so you know, um, you know, we recently transitioned to the wishbone. You were throwing quarterback at Carmel. You got a good arm. You're a good athlete, but you're probably never going to play here ever a down." but I'm cutting uh, nine of these other quarterbacks and I'm keeping you and two other guys and these two other guys at some point in time might be able to work in starting rotation. You, you probably never will, but I, I need somebody to run the scout team that's got a good arm because that's, we play good quarterbacks that have good arms. So I said, sign me up, whatever it takes to make the team. So long story short, I ended up working my way up to third, third string. And, um, it's like I said. We ran the wishbone, and if you didn't hand, even when you handed the ball off to the fullback on the re, the triple option, the, the the guy on the end, which is always the big defensive end, athletic guy, his job was to hit you every single time. So even if you handed the ball off, you got hit, and when you didn't hand the ball off, you went down the line and optioned him, you'd still get hit. So my junior year, we had uh, the two guys in front of me got hurt. So um, I played. Uh, I came in the West- Wake Forest game. Uh, And I ended up uh, finishing that game. And then uh, the very next Monday, um, they came up to me. We were set to play Boston College. And I went into the film room after school on Monday. And they said, you're starting this Saturday. And I was like, excuse me? And they said, you're starting. I said, okay. So um, in the weeks leading up to that, my my testicle had been hurting me. And uh, what had happened two weeks prior was I was out throwing the ball and uh, I got distracted. We, were like on a, we start at 10, you go to 20, you go to 30. So we were at the 30-yard line throwing the balls back and forth, warming up, and I got distracted. I look away and I got, I got nailed right in the groin with, uh, with a football from 30 yards away. Doubled over, couldn't practice that night. I basically just had to go back to the locker room and call tonight. night. And, uh, and, and so, but that's actually when it started to hurt, and so I was like, you know, and I really didn't notice a mass on it. But it, it kind of was a little bit bigger because, I mean, it, I was down there checking it out because it hurt because I got hit. Yeah. And then, um, so then all of a sudden, the next week, I'm in at Wake Forest. So I'm like, all right, this is pretty cool. Because remember, the guy told me I was never going to play. Gonna play, yeah. And then all of a sudden, I'm starting at, at Boston College. And so, uh, and I'm team captain for Army and Bill Romanowski's team captain for Boston College. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, of course it does. <laughs> and so play that game, almost win it, lose 25 to 29. Uh, had a great game, buzz. And then next week start at a, and by the way, my testicle still hurts. Start Still starting to hurt more. But I just – I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm just – it's from the hit and whatever. So then I go into the Colgate game. And that's when the guy uh, almost separates me from the face of the earth. It's a guy that played 14 years in the NFL. Uh, From Colgate, I can't remember his name. He was a really, really physical middle linebacker, and so knocked me out of the game. I go to the side of the game. Somebody else replaced me and finished the game, and then um, I couldn't. I couldn't talk because I I don't know if you ever had a jaw dislocated or broken. Nope. It's terrible. You cannot. I mean, you can't eat. You can't talk. You can't do anything, and so I was like, I can't. My you know teeth, and so they took me to the hospital. They said it's not broken, but it's dislocated. They reset it, and then I told them, hey, you know, while I'm in here, my testicle's been hurting for a while. So they took some – this is the hospital, uh, Keller Army Hospital that's on West Point. And so um, they took some blood tests, and they said, you're going to Walter Reed Monday because they have tumor markers, Mm -hmm. and they just knew what it was. So I went in there, and, um, you know, they said – There's a couple things we can do. You know, you can go through chemo, and you can go through – So,
0: take a step back real fast. When they said you're going to Walter Reed, did they tell you why? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they did. On the spot.
1: Yeah, they said, we're we're pretty sure you have testicular cancer, and we're not sure how advanced it is. They said that's the bad thing. The good thing is is that it's a remarkable hospital. They have a lot of – they have a lot of experience because they draw on this – remarkably diverse population That's the army mm-hmm. where people are from everywhere. Yeah. And so they said, we'll get you set up there and uh, we'll fly in on Monday and we'll just see where it goes. And then I found out
0: when you tell your parents that same night, I assume, or today, they?
1: they, they actually, uh, so my parents had flown in for that game okay. for the Colgate game. So they were there, but then they flew back on Sunday and then, uh, they went back and took it care of their affairs and then my dad was there with me on Monday at okay. Walter Reed and so um, I was there and um, I don't know family show without being too graphic but so one of the things they say when you have testicular cancer everybody knows this, especially when you're young is that you know hey wh- one of the chances that you're not going to be able to, to you're going to lose your a capacity to produce sperm mm-hmm. so you go to a sperm bank for three days for three mm-hmm. for a week so, I, so that was they're like, you've got to go to the sperm bank this week because we've got to get this thing off you as quick as we can. So I did that for a week. Um, they froze all my sperm, uh, and then I had uh, the operation. And Because their choice was two things. They said, you can, like I said, you can leave it on there. Um, we won't take it off, and we'll see if we can shrink the size of the tumor down. Uh, with radiation and, the, and chemotherapy and then, but the bad thing is it's, you know, it's hurting your body, it's damaging your body, and, and you might just, you know, who knows? I mean, it might just be a, uh, um, it's definitely cancer, but, but, but that might not work out. You're going to be in the hospital a lot longer. Uh, you'll probably miss your entire year then uh, because you'll just be too sick to go back to school. Or alternatively, we can just go right in and take it off. And, uh, and then we've got it and we know what the extent of it is and, um, and you'll be lighter and faster and jump higher. Correct. <laughs> and you only need one. Correct. Well, and they also said, I apologize. Par- part of taking it off was also you do something called a lymph, lymphectomy. Mm-hmm. So they, they took off, they literally opened me up and took every lymph node out of me. Oh wow. And because the way that that cancer spreads is that it goes obviously it's external it's in the testicle and if it if the way it spreads to the rest of the body is through those lymph nodes. So they know that if they get it before it goes maybe even partway through them or all the way through them if they get it before that and they take all your lymph nodes out and it hasn't gone in there then you're you're cured. I wonder
0: because it's been 20 plus years. Yeah. I wonder if they still do that today. I don't know. It's a good as question. Part of standard yeah. protocol yeah. or but, only if they detect yeah. that maybe it has spread perhaps. I don't know.
1: And you know what's interesting is that, so of course, you know, um, Lance Armstrong sure. came to Indy because that's where they started the protocol. So they actually asked me that. They said, we got to ask you this. You know, do you want to go back to Indianapolis and do this? And I said, well, I said. Yeah, of course I'd like to because that's my hometown, but what's the drawback? And they're like, well, you have to pay 40 on your dime. And my dad's like, we're good right here. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that works. <laughs> well, and they said, I mean, by the time I was there, they, they, had, they had standardized the protocol. They knew what to do. So long story short, I went and um, I had the surgery. And a really cool um, story and true story is, so I wake up from the surgery. And uh, the first thing I th- see in, in intensive care is three Navy football players, and uh, with a, a football signed by the entire Navy team, which I still oh. have in my office. Oh. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and they were like, "Hey, hang out." And some good Navy guys would. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, <laughs> yep. It was it was very it was very very cool. So um, yeah, so I did that, and then um, uh, they did my lymphectomy. And then they came back, and there was no cancer in any of my lymph nodes. And, and by the way, the kind of cancer that I had, there's, there's a couple different kinds, and I had the the most aggressive, most dangerous. But they caught it early, and you know, it just wasn't my time. And then uh, I spent a couple um, more weeks in there. I ended up I think I ended up being in there probably about two months. Uh, and then I ended up making a back for the Army Navy game, so I sat in the sidelines and watched that.. Nice. And then I was back in school. In January, and I actually was back competing for a starting quarterback position in spring ball. Okay. It's amazing what the body can do. Yeah. You're young yeah. like that and in shape. And then I mm-hmm. dislocated my uh, uh, collarbone uh, in spring ball, broke it almost in half. I was right back in the hospital again. I was like, oh, my God, I can't <laughs> believe I'm back here. And then that's when Coach came in and said, you know what? We got these younger guys. I said, I get it. I said, I'll just run the scout team. So, But we had an awesome year. I mean, we, we won the Commander Chiefs Trophy that year. We went to the Sun Bowl, lost to Alabama by one point. We had a really good team, so it was a great experience.
0: Not many people can say they lost Alabama by only one point. I know, yeah,
1: I know. Yeah. Bill Curry was the coach for Alabama. I believe that that game cost him his job because they're like Army, really? I mean, but we had, we were really good back then. We went to th- we went to three bowls in that area when I was there. That was the only bowl we lost, and that was Christmas Eve. 25 to 24. Oh, it was terrible. But yeah. Not no, that it still haunts you at all. Yeah. No, no not at all. No. Wakes up in a cold sweat no. at
2: night sometimes thinking about it.
1: And Derek Thomas was their defensive end. Derek Thomas, all pro. The guy was for the Chiefs. Tragically, right. he got in that yeah. accident. and mm-hmm. was, He was a quadriplegic for about six months and then he ended up dying right after that. But he was a freak and he was tough to, but yeah, it was fun. It was a great experience. He wanted to
0: rupture your jaw probably.
1: I, I did not plan that game. I did not play in that game, but it was the whole bowl experience was fun. You would have loved it, Vince. I'm sure. I'm not joking. You literally go there and they stamp you with these like proprietary like Sun Bowl football team, and you go in any bar in those towns and you drink for free, you eat for free. All the players did. I mean, oh, I can't. Not imagine. that
0: players should be drinking pre oh, oh, bowl we, game. Oh right? yeah,
1: are you kidding me? It was out of control. <laughs> we, were, we were there for we were there for seven days. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we flew in, I think, on a Sunday, and the game wasn't until the following Saturday. Wow. Yeah. And wow. we were hanging out with the with the Alabama guys. It was a lot of fun. And then towards the end of the week, you start to not do – they they have all of these functions early on set with them. So you guys are all together getting to know each other. And then towards the end of the week, they, they kind of single, single out the, the teams. And um, But it was fun. Good time. Yeah. Nice. So – good good end of the story it was a good end of the story yeah mm-hmm. i mean it was because i didn't have to i didn't have to do chemo i didn't have to do um, radiation uh now one really cool story i forgot to tell you was so when they when they when i had my operation and the navy guys came in and then about two days later i still hadn't heard back uh from the biopsy on whether or not it was it spread or not yeah so all of a sudden there's a knock on the door and this guy comes in. His name was Paul Pasquina, and he was one of my teammates. He was a quarterback on the football team. He was two years ahead of me, and he was actually a, a, a doc, an intern at Walter Reed. So he came in, and he uh, handed hand me a pizza, and he, and he was the one that, was, that delivered the good news to me that told me I was cancer-free. That's cool.
2: Yeah. What did that feel like when you got that? When it was you got amazing. Huge relief yeah. kind of? Oh, yeah, because
1: yeah. I'll be honest with you. At that age, you really don't think about dying. What I really wanted to do, it's kind of a big thing. I mean, when you go through that shared experience at West Point, how difficult it is, you wanna graduate with your class. Yeah. And I knew that they told me, they said, look, if this thing comes back and that was one of the reasons why I went ahead and went through the surgery. Mm-hmm. They said, Because if this thing comes clean, then you're you're not you're not gonna you're gonna go right back to school. If not, you're gonna miss the whole year. And so the first thing I thought about, to be honest with you, it wasn't so much that I was gonna live, it was that I wasn't gonna have to miss my year and be in a different West Point class. Yeah. Some of the stupid stuff you think about that, yeah. but it mattered. It was it's big at the time, right? It was. Yeah. yeah it's still big really, today, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It was, it is yeah. because those are all my good friends. Yeah. Yeah. So you graduate
0: and then what'd you graduate with?
1: Uh, bachelor's of science. In okay. Business Administration. And what, what did you think you were going to do at that point? Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know. I mean, I knew I had to go out in the army. hmm and so I was actually headed, uh, and you
0: commit to four years then five, five. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: I was, so I was headed to Fort Stewart, Georgia, the 24th infantry division, which at the time was the lead infantry unit, armor unit, the whole sort of combat team that actually went over to desert storm. Okay. So a lot of my classmates went over there, but when I went to when I graduated from West Point, you go to you have to go to a basic course, officer basic course, and it depends on which branch you get: infantry, armor, aviation, medical services, whatever. I was field artillery, and so uh, I went to Fort Ord. Excuse me, I went to uh, uh, in Oklahoma to Fort Sill, and when I went there, uh, they said as the armies want to do. Your orders have changed. Um, You score well on the language aptitude test. We have nukes over in Germany and Turkey and the Netherlands, and you're going to go take a battery of nuclear weapons, and you're not going over to war. But, by the way, before you go over there, you have to learn how to speak German. So you're also going to go out to Carmel, California... Uh, to Monterey to the Defense Language Institute and learned German for a year. So Not a bad I, place to have yeah. to go. No, yeah. it wasn't. It was, it was sweet. So I went out there. I lived there for a year um, and then learned German nine to five. And then I went to – we had our nuclear weapons for a year, and then we got rid of them because when the Soviet Union disbanded, they entered into a treaty. And these were all – these were like tactical nukes, like, you know – uh, probably blast radius of maybe half a mile. So it was designed to take out a Soviet tank battalion. Okay. Smaller, smaller nukes, and so we got rid of those. And then I spent three years up in Heidelberg, which if anybody if anybody's ever been to Europe, is just the most beautiful place in the world. I mean, there's you know to the to the to the victors go to spoils, right? So when we when we won World War II, that's where we set up our European headquarters for a reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like living in a postcard. So I did that, and then I wanted to, I, I realized I had a lot of problems when I was at my nuke unit with <clears throat> my soldiers because we didn't have any money. And when you go in the Army, you want to do two things. Uh, you want to go in the woods and run around, and you want to shoot stuff. And we couldn't do any of that because we didn't have any money because the nukes were going. Okay. We were just babysitting them so nobody would steal them. So I had, I had soldiers get in a lot of trouble, and I was constantly on the phone with JAG, and I just said to myself, you know what? I want to be the answer guy. I don't want to be the guy asking all the questions. So with my five years, toward the end of my five years, I said, hey, I'd, I'd like to stay in, but I really want to trans- branch transfer to JAG Corps, and I want to go to law school. And, and back then, they were transitioning from a million-person army down to like 350,000. So they were just trying to get rid of people, and they were being completely inflexible. And so they were like, nope. You're not doing that. You're going back to the advanced course in, in, at Fort Sill in Oklahoma, and you're going to get ready to go take a, um, a howitzer battery. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to get out and go to law school. Now, my little brother was, who was six seven, played basketball at West Point. He was two years behind me. He also was in the Army at that time, and he didn't even serve his five years. They said, if you want to get out, get out. Wow. They were that yeah. desperate to get wow. rid of people. Wow. So he went out and. To Georgia Tech and got a master's and he's doing something else now too. So, but that was that was the whole sort of army career thing.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. So you get out, go to law school. Go to law school. Went to um, IU for law school. Correct. Okay. Well, that's that's choice too.
1: So, yeah. So I took my LSAT over in Frankfurt, and um, between beers. No, it was really weird because you had to sign something because of the timing of it that. Like, you swore that you didn't talk to anybody. Oh, Back because year. you got the test yeah, ahead of yeah, time, correct. right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. And so uh, I took the test, and I applied to, like, a couple Ivy League schools, and I applied to Notre Dame, IU Indy, and IU Bloomington. And I did it on the last day on all of them. That's the last time you ever want to apply to a grad school because they've already got, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're looking for the, the superstar. Yeah. Right. You know, the Vince Todd of the world. That comes right. In, yeah. Amazing GPA and his amazing standardized test scores. But seriously, I'm over two. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, so, so I'm at home with my parents in Fisher's living because I got out of the army. Oh, and by the way, I wanted to defer a year. So I just wanted to be a normal guy because I'd gotten a master's from Boston, Boston university. When I was over in Germany, they had a, a metropolitan school over in Belgium. So I just wanted to be out of school. And just nine to five, like, just work. And so I'm living with my parents. I get the Ivy League schools are like, thanks, but no thanks. I get Notre Dame. They're like, thanks, but no thanks. I get IU Indy. They're like, thanks, but no thanks. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. (laughs) So I'm literally, you know, one no away from I don't even know what to do and what I can't get into law school, seriously. But IU Bloomington came through. (laughs) And the rest is history. They're smart down there. They are smart. Right, Daniel?
0: Right. Right.
2: <laughs> go Hoosiers. Totally.
1: Yeah. So IU law school. IU law school. Couple years. Yep. And then uh and then I got out so so I was I was one of the older students. I was old. I started law school when I was thirty. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh
0: um, it has some advantages, though, I would think. It
1: it does and it doesn't. I mean, I'll be honest with you, most of the kids that go in there straight from undergrad, they are like just you know they're just so focused because they all just they want to go out there and get the most of them want to get the big paying law firm job Mm -hmm. and there's just not a lot of them so i you know my first year i was straight b's slap dab in the middle of my class which does not bode well for getting the big law firm job and so um um I tried. I, I applied for a couple of different internships at law firms. All of them got rejected. It's hard to get in. It was hard to get in that summer that after your first year anyway. And, but I ended up clerking for a trial court judge up in Hamilton County, which was awesome. He was fantastic. It was such a great it was a trial court judge. And Bill Hughes, who's an awesome guy, super smart guy. And, uh, and then I came back and um, I ended up um, writing on the law journal they have three law journals down there the the flagship one is is the indiana law journal i amazingly ended up writing onto that because most people grade onto it if you're in the top 10 percent of your class you grade onto it i obviously wasn't that so i wrote onto it long story short my grades started getting better I ended up um, being selected the editor-in-chief of the law journal my third year so i went from really worried about having a job to be honest with you i could do whatever i wanted my third year And uh, a position came up where one of the Indiana Supreme Court justices needed an immediate clerk because one of their clerks had left. And so I saw that come through and I was like, that's what I want to do. So I called Bose. They had already given me a, a job at that time. And I said, hey, would you mind if I applied for this? Would my job still be waiting there when I came back? And they said yes. So I interviewed for the job. Um, He and I hit it off really good. Frank Sullivan was his name. He was an associate justice for many years in the Indiana Supreme Court. So I I clicked for him for a year and a half. And then I've been at Bose ever since. So it's been lucky. Because Indiana is a great place to practice law. Why do you say that? Because it's a relatively small bar. um, And so people have to be decent with each other. Um, and I see it. I mean, when you litigate against people from big um, cities, Chicago, New York, L.A., uh, Atlanta, um, they're, they're, they can be uh, difficult to deal with because the chances of them ever circling back and having to deal with you again are pretty small. But in Indiana, it's pretty insular. And so everybody's everybody's pretty decent with one another. Well, I mean, it's Indy. Three ways back to Kevin Bacon says seven. It's true. Mm -hmm. It is true. So there's just enough people there um, that there's plenty of work for everybody. But there's also the the bar is small enough. The judges are great. I do appellate law, so I spend most of my time in front of the court appeals in the Supreme Court. Our judges are great. It's not a political process. You go to other states, and you have these just embarrassing infights, even on the state Supreme court justices uh, where they're just, they're bought off by special interests. They, they appear to be that way. That's what the judges, that's what the lawyers think. And so they're just at each other, but our court is awesome. It's all merit-based um, and it's, it's a privilege to practice in front of them. Good. So yeah,
0: it's good to hear. Yep. Yeah. So you're a Bose. We have like any, anywhere else in Indy, you need mutual connections, mutual folks and friends in the, in the same network. Um, when did you first become aware of the Heroes Foundation?
1: Yeah, so so my ex, you know Marty, uh, she was a cyclist, and um, you know I kind of entered that stage in my life. I think back then it was probably I think in my early 40s. Um, but she was she caught the bug. She was all she was all already teaching at Lifetime and stuff like that. So I eventually transitioned into that, and then once I got in there. Um, she just happened to, that happened to be the crew that she was with. And so that's how I met Don and, and you and everybody else. And so it was just from that association of, of the cycling aspect of it.
0: Mm-hmm. And obviously the natural attraction due to the cancer experience that yeah. you had. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. 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 Uh, Brian's now a, a board member with with the Harris Foundation and, and has been on the board for a handful of years now. Uh, we we appreciate all the uh, the time and energy that you provide and and and, and intellect. Hmm. Dare I say? Oh, I know that was
1: <laughs> I know that was difficult for you to say. <laughs> my my <laughs> jaw got a little dislocated. Okay get that out. <laughs>
0: what would you say? And this sounds like a shameless plug, but I am going to say it anyway. What would you say? What aspect of the foundation, um, I don't know, excites you the most? But that you are that that interests you the most, and you know, looking forward knowing your involvement for the past five to 10 years, what, what excites you about the the potential uh, yet for the foundation?
1: Well, for me, you know, having lived through it, I can tell you that, um, and I don't know if it was a product of just kind of being away from home or whatever, you know, I was in the army and even though my parents spent time with me and came out there and were with me, I mean, it's a pretty terrifying experience to have to deal with it. And, um, And I didn't know anybody that had had been through it. Um, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I was probably um, at Walter Reed, um, maybe in some respects, because I happened to be the starting quarterback um, at Army when it happened. Um, I mean, I noticed after a while that um, most of the kids on my wing were much sicker than me much younger than me and most of them were not surviving uh, and so you know to have that and I, and then I really you know other than the story of Paul Pasquina which was awesome but Paul was so busy as an intern that was really the only time we ever had chance to because Walter Reed's a massive place and he was at a completely different part of the hospital and so I only saw him that once so I, there was just nobody there for me to like talk to to work me through the process and to me, you know, I mean, you know, the stuff that we do, that Heroes does to help people navigate this and to just make sure that people know that there's people out there to help them. I mean, the whole Lego thing, the the stuff, especially when you're kids, you know, my daughter was sick and, uh, she had, um, you know, a very rare disease and histiocytosis, her spine collapsed, um or one of her vertebrae just disintegrated she has a fused spine um you know that that happened when she was you know very young um 10 and um you know that that to have people that in the community that can support you that can answer your questions um i mean to me it's just you know if you're a super busy person and there's there's you know, you can't please everybody. You can't give to everything. But for me, it was just an obvious choice that this is what I wanted to be aligned with because that that nav, those navigational tools, that support structure uh, is, is helpful. And even to this day, I mean, I still see people and heroes, but bad stuff happens to them all the time. And so, you know, even people that aren't lucky enough to have a close affinity that I have, like through the, the cycling aspect of it, um, you know, people are still there to help them, and uh we should be helping i mean there 's a lot of very successful people in it, and they should be doing their part to help help folks that 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 are struggling
0: so if you were talking to the twenty something Brian Bab of today yeah. <laughs> uh, going through the same experience what what would you share with them?
1: Well, I would say you know get good doctors. <laughs> Um, that's the first thing, um, and because you need you need good experience. Um, but I would also tell them, you know, um, uh, especially for testicular cancer. And I tell my boys this all the time. Uh, you know, you got to check yourself, and um, check yourself
0: before you wreck
2: yourself. Yeah, I was that's trying right. not to say <laughs> that yeah, so hard. Yeah.
1: It's true, though. I t- actually tell my I tell that to my kids all the time. Um, so, you know, I would say if you have to do the self-examination and something, I mean, something in my mind, I knew it was wrong, but it really was. And I don't know whether it was a blessing from, from above that I got hit in the groin with that football. Um, I don't know if maybe that, what was accelerated, maybe that accelerated the, the, the growth of the tumor maybe that drew my attention to it or whatever but after a while after three or four weeks and I didn't want to say anything to anybody because I'd finally realized my dream I was finally playing Hmm. but after a while I mean you got to be like yeah something's not right so you just got to get checked and that's what I would tell young guys is that you have to you have to check yourself and um,
0: and if you notice something
1: speak out correct Yeah. yeah and don't be embarrassed about it and You know, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just the way it is. I mean, you gotta, because it's, it's highly curable. You just got to check it. You just got to get it in time.
0: Yeah. Thank our good buddy, Dr. Larry Einhorn for for that, for sure. Absolutely. Well, Well, I know Daniel feels the same way, but we appreciate you. We appreciate your time and your support um, and your friendship. So
1: likewise, buddy. Thanks for sharing the story. Yep. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be on the board. It's an honor to. To be associated with the group, um, for a, it's, you know, in terms of people that, as you as as athletes, especially, I mean, I think to me the, the biggest part of the privilege of being associated with it from a personal standpoint is that you're always used to being an athlete, and it's really hard to, at least for me personally. To to not have that sense of physical fitness, you really can't enjoy yourself. And so that's the great thing about us being associated with the cycling stuff is it gives you an excuse to be with other great people and go out there, especially for a great cause and try to stay fit. So it's it's great to be involved. Yeah. Well thank you. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Okay. Go Navy. Go army.